This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time with a very interesting guest on a topic that is so frequently overlooked, and that is the whole integration of healthcare with cultural groups. I said subcultural. I don't want to say subculture when I first started thinking about it, but really it's the African-American population. We're really talking about Philadelphia, but what she's talking about in Philadelphia is what's going on all over the United States, in my opinion. Jennifer McPherson is our guest. Jen, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So Jen is going to talk to us about her experience. She is a person who did her training right there in Philadelphia at my old alma mater. My, I went to school. It was at 48th and Spruce, and I was the first class that went into the hospital on the main line. They built it while we were there. And so my senior year was the first year they had students there on the mainline hospital. So that was an interesting time. So let me introduce Jennifer in just a moment. Let me tell you a little bit from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and get on it. So Core Brain Journal is supported by Great Plains Laboratory. They are deep international biomedical testing leaders for improved targeted mind science details. As both laboratory and webinar global thought leaders, they provide the most comprehensive set of hard data measurement tools for real biomedical answers beyond so often guesswork. They also provide multiple training webinars for both the public and medical providers on how to use that data effectively. This is a big one, and Jen, you'd be interested in this yourself because what happens is there's so much going on, and these folks really have it out there for the public. So check out their website for references and testing details and notes on the webinars. And take note of this, because they're really with us and supporting us, they are offering free complimentary testing. Once a week, they change the tests that are available, and you can go over there and submit your name and email address for a drawing and win one of these really cool, interesting biomedical testing tools from IgG, immunoglobulin G, which we talk about all the time here to oats, organic acid testing, to mold and mycotoxins. They have very comprehensive testing battery. And where you do that is go over to the URL, greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash CBJ for Core Brain Journal. Greatplainslaboratory.com for CBJ. And then they will appreciate you popping over there. So let me tell you a little bit about Jen. So Jen is a very interesting person. She's had a diversity of training and a diversity of personal experience, which we'll hear about in just a second. But she's a licensed professional counselor and a board-certified counselor that specializes in behavioral health integration for primary programs and chronic care programs. She attended Temple University for undergraduate studies in psychology and religion and the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine for graduate studies in counseling and clinical health psychology. She is also currently pursuing an executive MBA in healthcare from St. Joseph's University, also in Philadelphia. So in 2018, she founded McPherson Clinical and Consulting Services to provide clinical 
supervision to aspiring mental health professionals and to support physicians with the management of difficult behavioral health patients. You know, people who are having psychological problems and the ordinary family practitioner doesn't know what to do, so she's going to pitch in. Additionally, she's an ambassador for the podcast, Host Black Therapists Rock. So she's doing that podcast as well. So we have a little bit of an African-American angle, but honestly, what she's talking about is how people, I think, stigmatized mental health across the board. And if you're African-American and you got a mental health problem, then you're in a whole different world because there's a double stigma going on. And Jen's going to be talking to us about that. So Jen, let's get started. How did you find yourself walking down that path up there in Philadelphia and really going so deeply into it? So I was born and raised in North Philadelphia. Anyone that is familiar with North Philadelphia knows that it's a very rough section of the city. So growing up, a lot of the people around me, whether they be friends, family, neighbors, I got to witness firsthand of them going through mental health issues, but not having access to care or support with their symptoms. So as I got older and I got into my studies, I was really interested in helping people that look like me and people around me. So I started working in my community for um, an organization called NHS as a therapist. I later went on to work in a medication-assisted treatment in a methadone clinic in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And then I transitioned back to the inner city working for a primary care clinic, working alongside physicians that were treating people with physical symptoms, but also mental health issues. I got really fascinated when I saw the connection between mental health and physical health. So ever since then, it's really been my passion to help those patients that really go into the doctor's office for mental health symptoms when it's not really the most appropriate place, but I'm that person that's really sitting there waiting for them, helping them and trying to gear their treatment so that they can have better outcomes. See, that's so fantastic because there are very few licensed professional counselors that know anything about the medical side of the whole thing. And I mean, what an interesting background that you have, a diversification of the medical background and your mental health training as a licensed professional counselor, and you're in such an underserved community. It is really a very, very useful and helpful. I'm sure people are so grateful for you coming up there because even the physicians don't get it. Now, I'm not saying your physicians don't get it. I'm saying, generally speaking, many times it happens that family practitioners are as good as they are, and I love consulting with family practitioners and being on the team, but there are some things where you really need to get some help to get the, the next step going. And who has time for that when they're running in in a busy practice and somebody like you could really help out It'd be a great deal. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. So what kind of things you actually see in the clinic? So working in the clinic, first and foremost, any clinic that you go in, most primary care physicians are not thinking about mental health. They're Key thinking, point. This patient is coming in with these symptoms. I'm trained to treat these symptoms this way, and this is how we're going to deal with it. So when you come in with a mental health issue, they're kind of thrown for a loophole, and that's where you know, treatment just kind of stops and it becomes kind of stagnant. So my job is, one, to educate my providers on exactly what they're seeing in the clinic, whether they're seeing symptoms of trauma, whether they're seeing signs of depression, signs of anxiety, and help them recognize those type of symptoms and also how to go about effectively treating it. A lot of my providers sometimes think they have to treat these things their own, but that's not really the case. They're not therapists, and a lot of them aren't psychiatrists, and a lot of them aren't trained in psychiatry. 
So I'm there to support them with that role, but also keep them engaged in the patient's treatment so they know what's going on and they can still support the patient in other ways, whether it be improving their physical health as their mental health symptoms improve as well too, or offering other types of support within the community so they're understanding of their symptoms as well. So, you know, one of the things that's really cool about the osteopathic background, my mother was a DO. She graduated from PCOM in 39, okay, before the war. Yeah. And I was born in PCOM. I was born down there on 48th and Spruce, okay? Yeah. So, what happens is we, our early years, my father was in the Navy, so he's going up and down the East Coast during World War II, and she was raised in Philly. So, they met in Philly, and then that's what happened. And then I became a DO there through uh, going through PCOM, and my brother came in the, in the class right behind me. So he's a family practitioner, and he's retired. He's younger than me, but he's retired. He's like, this is a little too crazy the way this is going. And they don't really appreciate me as a professional. People are moving me around, and I've got to go. It's been fab, but i got to go. And so I think somebody like you who really understands the interface and can really help the physicians and the patients evolve simultaneously with what's going on in healthcare. I mean, mind care, psychiatry, psychology, whatever, however you want to look at it, I really think of it as a neuroscience evolution. It's just phenomenal. I mean, what you do with the meds, what you do with the drugs, but all these other things you can do to actually bring the family together to understand what's going on and look at options that'll work. And I think it's really interesting is you being a licensed professional counselor who is counselors don't know this either. I mean, this is really, you know, so yeah, the medical people don't know, but so counselors very frequently like, hey, I don't know what to do about it. Just take care of it and I'll take care of them. They're upset, but I don't tell you any of this other stuff. So I think there's a big, big split. And one of the things we were talking about briefly before we got started was everybody, almost everybody listened to this. And we got a lot of listeners out there to say, well, we know that the mind can affect the body. You can get an ulcer from worrying too much. But one of the things that we were sharing and Jen was sharing with me is the body can affect the mind. And if you know that and you can see what's going on with different issues in the body, and we here in Core Brain Journal, you, don't, you may not know this, Jen, but we talk about immunity all the time. Immunity throws those cytokines right up there and they just, they're like peanut butter on the neurotransmitter receptor sites. And those cytokines block things and meds, you can give meds till the cows come home and the people don't get any better because they've got some other kind of an immune system thing going on with food sensitivities, just for example, one, one of the examples of things we talk about all the time. So that is very interesting that you have that capability. So what would you say would be one of the difficult moments where you're here and you're working? It's like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal where you then did an intervention and, and could help us see the kind of things that a person like you could be useful for? I'd say the two biggest things that really come up in my work, the first one being trauma. A lot of physicians aren't trained to recognize trauma or know exactly how trauma presents itself other than the typical PTSD symptoms or how trauma presents itself within people of color. Really trying to step in that way and explain to them what they're seeing. And oddly enough, the second biggest thing that I see is the connection between IBS and anxiety. That probably have one person per day where I have someone, they're complaining of bowel symptoms, and I find a connection with their anxiety and what's going on in their life. And it's just like, 
to me, it makes perfect sense. It's amazing. Picture and you're trying to educate them. And it's something that unless you point it out, they would have never thought of it in a million years. There's no. still providers that would never think that there's a connection between anxiety and IBS also as well, too. And then it goes over to insomnia. Oh, yeah. The IBS is going to throw the anxiety over an insomnia and they can't sleep at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a kick out of this. Some of our listeners already know what I'm going to tell you. But my favorite question, and I tell people it's my favorite question because I say, the first thing I want to do, I'm a psychiatrist. We're going to do, we're going to talk about psychiatric. But last time I checked, the mind's connected to the body. So I'm going to ask you some body questions first. Then we're going to come back and ask you the psych questions. And then with body questions, I ask, I hit GI first. Sores in the mouth, aphthous ulcers, stomach upset, all kinds of different things, nausea, any of that kind of stuff. But my favorite question, I tell them, my favorite question is how many times a day do you go number two? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what happens is they'll start with, I have no problem. It's been okay because they're minimizing the nuances of a problem. So I had this guy come in who who is a project manager. He said, Parker, you asked me that on the first visit. You're asking me again. I said, look, the meds are not working. There's something wrong with you here, buddy. And we got to get it figured out. He's a kind of a man's man, macho hot dog kind of guy. And uh, he says, he says, I think you're anally fixated. He was messing with me. You know, I said, humor me. I got this whole test. Approved by the Mayo Clinic. Eat a can of corn, look at your watch, and see how long it takes to hit the toilet. And I got a handout for that, too. You'll get a kick out of it. So, but whatever is, the, he did it, and he came back. He said, I hate to say you were right. I said, how right was I? He said, ate a can of corn. He says, I've been going number two every day since I was a kid without fail. But he said, that corn did not come through for 10 days. Wow. The passage time, according to the Mayo Clinic, is 12 to 24 hours. So if they're going three times a day, it's less than 12 hours. And if they're going in every 10 days, yeah, it's a little more than 24. And as a result of that, the liver can't do what it's doing. The meds all have to pass through the liver. And you got a bulletproof liver downstream from that every time. So you probably are onto that. But that's I just thought you'd get a kick out of because we're talking about bowel function. Somebody says IBS. I'm like, yeah, bingo. You know, and as soon as they come up and say that's because then what now the issue then is, and their treatment refractory. This is, I don't know if you've seen this, but you give them meds, the meds don't work because you, you know, you can try this med, try that med. Then you're going to start using atypicals and you snow them with different things because they are completely out of control. Well, you got to fix the underlying problem as you well know, but I thought you'd get a kick out of that. So IBS for anxiety, really interesting. And insomnia. If somebody, if somebody has a refractory insomnia. It just keeps going out. How many times a day do you go number two? That happens all the time. And the trauma thing, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this because I got a whole page here that has all, we have a number of experts talking about trauma and recovery. And there's some really innovative things going on with recovery that you would probably be interested in yourself as an LPC. And I'm when we get done, I'll tell you about them. And the short, quick thing is the uh, Accelerated Response Therapy Program, ART, which I'll give you the links for, but it's over on the VETS page at Core Brain Journal. We have two people interviewed on that that you would be interested in because if, you became tra- if you're interested in trauma, which yeah. you would be in the population you're working with, they turn around in like one or two visits with this. So and that's over at corebrainjournal.com forward slash VETS, V-E-T-S. And that's very important in this type of work when you're in the primary care clinic 
or in a chronic care program, trying to have that turnaround through the brief intervention. So the better and the faster the results, the more we can really streamline that treatment. So that would be very interesting to see how that would mm-hmm. work in the medical setting as well, too. Yeah, you'd get a kick out. I just mentioned those two things. It's funny because, listeners, we haven't talked before we're talking right here. I don't know Jen, and it's fun to talk to her, but we hit the two subjects that I talk about every day. (laughs) You know, I don't do trauma here. We have people who are working with me who do EMDR trauma treatment, but this particular undertaking, and we're adding people all the time. I just interviewed another person today, which I'm not going to get into because I haven't put them up on the page yet. But it's really very, very interesting traumas. And those are the two topics we see happen all the time. So what are some of the things that you see in terms of medications? Do you do much medication work or do you stay away from medication? Or how do you, how do you actually deal with that with your providers? So a lot of my patients, when they come in, they're not on medication. So after I do my evaluation, I can suggest medications to them. I'll review it with the doctor and see what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And we can start medications you know, either the same day or the following visit. Most of the time, I'm the one that's monitoring their progress on the medication and reporting back to the physician about how well they're doing. Physician handles like all the prescriptions, the refills and everything like that. But I do a lot of education on medication as well too. When it comes to providers, some of them are very comfortable with prescribing medications and some of them don't want to touch it. They're like, no way, not Mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah, I don't even want to get into it. But yeah. it's really one of those things where across the board, everyone needs education on how they can really prescribe medications and manage medications to really help these people as well, too. See, that's great. If you can do that, then you're going to change the entire scene in that practice. That's why you're there, because you can actually change that scene. And then if you've got some listeners on your podcast, tell us about your podcast. What are you? Is your podcast hooked up with that practice? Or do you have a separate podcast? How does all that work? The podcast, it's um, through Black Therapist Rock. Black Therapist Rock is an organization that started a few years ago by our CEO, Duran Young, with the intention of supporting mental health professionals that are also African-American or within another group of color. So it started out as a very small Facebook group and just kind of exploded overnight. We have over 20,000 members across the United States And we offer support, we offer education. We just completed our first book that's gonna be debuting later on this year that's written by some of the therapists within the organization. Oh, fantastic. Yes, and um, we have a second annual conference coming up this August where we're gonna be connecting and doing a lot of education and learning from other people within the community. So the main thing is really just building awareness and building the visibility of African-American mental health professionals, whether they be social workers, therapists, psychiatrists, and also working with allies in the field and how they can support us and we can support them on the mission. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what color you are. Everyone is prone to being affected by a mental health issue. How can we really destigmatize this issue and make it just as important as a physical issue like diabetes, high blood pressure, or whatever it may be. Get on it. Get on it, own it, and fix it. You know, most of the time you can do something very, very, I mean, the modern medicine is fantastic, but when it fails, there's something going on with your body. It's as simple as that. You don't have to think about it. You just know for sure. If you're going to use, doesn't matter whether it's an antidepressant, anti-anxiety agent, sleep agent, does not matter. If the person is a treatment failure, they have a body roadblock. It's as simple as that. 
And if you don't know that that body is going to be a roadblock for you, which is IBS, which is all kinds of different things, immune system dysregulation, goes on and on. Periods, hormones, women. If you have estrogen dominance and your estrogen is out the roof, it's going to be very hard to get the right antidepressant on board for PMS because you can get psychotic on, on estrogen. We've seen it. It's amazing to me. I don't know if this is true for you. Pardon me. It's amazing to me how many people don't know in the community about estrogen dominance. And really, that's my second. After I go through the gastrointestinal tract, if it's a woman, I'm going to go through estrogen dominance details, details, details. And they say, why are you asking me these questions? You're getting a little personal. I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you yourself or know anybody that's had PMS? Oh, would you say that the body is affecting the mind? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to ask you a question when we come back. So, you and I will fall silent so we can get that mid-roll sponsorship in there, but then what's going to happen when we get back? I'm going to ask you about your own personal transformation out there in the street, okay? Where you're working. Think of an example that perhaps you said to yourself, this is something that has really changed my life here. You know, I've been going in here. I have certain knowledge. I appreciate what I've learned, the great institutions that I've worked with. But this just surprised the dickens out of me. And even as experienced as I am and as, as devoted as I am, this is something I had to change my tune on. So we'll be back, folks, in just a minute. We're going to hear Jen's answer to that question. Today, the world of mind, science, psychiatry, and mental health is rapidly changing with innovative, comprehensive testing that takes both patients and practitioners into a new world of measured details with useful, understandable, and remarkably actionable plans. The key phrase here is cost-effective. Testing also introduces a key parallel word, predictability. Psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medications, and our brief hospitalizations arises directly from the complexity of measurable brain-body imbalances and impediments that explicitly interfere with medical outcomes and create costly difficulties with inadequately informed supplement and medication trials over time. Great Plains provides a leadership team of biomedical experts with advanced laboratory insights approved nationally both by the FDA and CLIA laboratory certifications and is available internationally for both public and medical professionals. Great Plains Laboratory is the primary laboratory we've used at CoreSight for years with excellent customer service for both patients and medical colleagues. They are on the spot, they get it every time. In addition, they provide exemplary training modules, which are webinars and conferences in an effort to broaden practice perspectives wherever you live. Do follow up on one of these complimentary test offers today at http greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash CBJ. Yeah, that's Core Brain Journal CBJ. Okay, welcome back, folks. Jennifer McPherson is joining us from the beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I can tell you I was back in Philadelphia it was probably 10 years ago, and I remember when Frank Rizzo was mayor there. You probably were a kid then. Yeah. You may not even have been born, but I'm telling you, Frank Rizzo had a very, I mean, it was not a happy community. People were definitely angry, and there was a bunch of stuff going on. 
And I went back to Philadelphia and people were saying, I asked for directions in downtown Philly because I didn't, and they, they were as nice in downtown Philly as they were in Atlanta. It was really had a very welcoming, warm atmosphere. And we think, we think Philadelphia's made some, some great changes and improved. So anyway, sorry to get on about that, but let's quickly go back and ask you the question because I think what we're interested in, all of us, myself included, are what changes a person? What makes them even more dedicated to what they're doing? What, what do they realize about themselves in the context of life experience that makes them say, I have to push on with this. This is an important thing. And after all my training, I had the big illumination here. And, and maybe you can share one of those with us. I appreciate it if you do. Sure. So years ago, when I was first starting out, I was still working in medication-assisted treatment, working in a methadone clinic. And I was actually diagnosed with appendiceal cancer. Oh. When I was first diagnosed with cancer, it actually came as a very late diagnosis. I had completed surgery. I did my post-op appointments and everything. And it kind of just came up as, hey, by the way, we found this um, in your pathology report. We need you to get treated. Oh, my gosh. So I was starting treatment at a very well-known institution in Philadelphia. And to be quite honest, the treatment was horrible. I was working with an oncologist and I've had about five appointments with this oncologist and he probably touched me once mm. out of those five appointments. And I was going through the treatment. I wasn't sure what was going through my body. I became depressed, anxious, still trying to work, focus on my career and everything. And it just was not working for me. I was finally convinced by one of my friends who was a nurse to seek treatment elsewhere. So I switched over to another institution. I've been with them ever since. They are fabulous. They do great work. But it was then when I started working with my new oncology team that they actually brought up the connection between me going through cancer and how it's going to affect my mental health. Why oh, is that right? Yeah. That's so amazing. And oddly enough, they were the first people to bring it up after I did like five appointments with this previous doctor. I'm like, why has no one ever spoken to me about this before? Oh my gosh. So the way that they just geared treatment and not only did they treat the cancer, they treated everything. They treated me as a whole person and made sure that I was good from head to toe. That really kind of opened my eyes because I never had treatment like that before. And then oddly enough, I kind of stumbled upon the integrative um, behavioral health model. And it was very similar to what I had experienced in my own doctor's office. And that's kind of how I fell into it. So just from my own experiences of knowing what it's like going through having a physical ailment and having the mental health issues come up and impact your life kind of hitting you like a truck, I can really emphasize with my patients when they come in and when I have to educate them. And sometimes I tell them my own story about what I went through as well, too, to let them know that, no, this does happen. And sometimes it's not spoken about. And it doesn't mean that you're crazy, you're odd. It's just that it needs more awareness around this topic. So I'm very happy to be able to bring my own experience to this field and to this topic and help other people, especially people that were in a similar situation that I once was in also. That is so interesting because even though the institution was a great institution, I think, you know, my feeling, and I've seen this happen before, is that number one, being African-American in a treatment situation is not a cool thing. You know, it's just, I mean, that, that is the way it is. Yeah, you're now, brushing it aside. It, it should not be that way, but that does happen. 
And so we have people come in, African-Americans, they're like, nobody's ever asked me this question before. Nobody's ever done this before. You know, and they're really kind of shocked because we have some Caucasians come in with the same thing. But we're going to do the same thing with everybody that walks in the door. But it's amazing that somebody would be shuffling you aside with your level of intelligence, your level of obvious awareness of the whole situation. And somebody's just going to do a song and dance around you. It's just terrible. I'm going to tell you one other thing. It's going to sound like I'm being self-promotional. And I really don't mean to be self-promotional. Because I, I just don't think that's the way to go. But two episodes before this episode here, I have a person that I've interviewed who hit this very topic of PTSD around cancer. And I didn't even think about it. I mean, it was shocked when I heard the whole thing. And they have a specific treatment modality that's like the ART accelerated response therapy. And when it comes up, when yours comes up, look a couple episodes before and the issue would be that you would be interested in just because of where you are. So we've got three different programs there, the ART and this particular one, and it's called NET is the acronym for it. You might want to look it up on the internet because they really figured a way to actually do it with kinesiology, pulling the whole thing together, where the problem is and how it can actually be relieved. But you'd get a kick out of it. Just thought I'd mention it to you. Thank you. So back to it. So then that was transformational for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that woke you up. Yeah. I mean, this is like, think about everybody out there that's getting the same kind of job who are at a different level of functioning than I am. I'm a high-functioning individual. What if I'm not? What if I'm at a lower level function? What's going to happen? Well, you then are going to not be treated correctly, and it's amazing to think that that's going on in this country today. It's just, I'm so glad you came on to talk about this because I think people do need to be treated equally and fairly period. It shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't even be something we have to talk about. I mean, if you're going to be a physician, somebody's going to walk in your door. Why are you going to do song and dance with somebody and just do something you know, and licking a promise? That is definitely terrible. Yeah. And the uh, goal of Black Therapist Rock is to make sure that everyone is treated equally in the mental health field. And also the core of the behavioral health integration model is that everyone has access to treatment the same access to treatment and make sure that everyone is able to get the help that they need as well too, Absolutely. regardless of background, socioeconomic status, color, whatever it may be. Well, it's great that you're there. I'm telling you, being raised in North Philadelphia will change you when you come out into the rest of the world. What's the name of that hospital? There's a hospital up in North Philly, is it? Temple? No, Temple's like the good hospital. There, this was like, in fact, it may have passed since... Because you're young, you're much younger than I am, nothing personal, but it was uh, like a block right there in the middle of North Philly. It was like something like North, I think it said North Philly Hospital. I honestly can't remember, but it was a very rundown situation. And, you know, what happened was that people were not being taken care of there well. They There's were, still some of the hospitals like that in Philadelphia, to be honest. It was amazing. And it's amazing because Philadelphia is such a medical community. You've got five medical schools turning out docs on a regular basis. And, and even though this is a very big medical community, there's still a lot of growth that is needed. So this model, the behavioral integration model, it can fit in many places. It can fit in hospitals. It can fit in clinics. It can fit in private practice offices. It's really good for any physician that really wants to treat their patients as a whole person and really get to the core of those issues they could benefit from parts of this model and really bringing in mental health professionals to help them treat these people and get better outcomes as well, too. 
So the goal is one day, hopefully we'll have a social worker or an LPC in almost every doctor's office so that everyone has access to treatment. Well, I was thinking about, as you said it, I mean, the natural thing to be thinking about the Caucasians, because the same thing's going on, finding a place for individuals in any kind of practice, because it happens because the whole thing, you got double stigma if you're African-American or of color and then you have a mental health problem, There, people don't take care of mental health problems in the right way the first. Yeah, and really. then if you have the other additional encumbrance, shall we say, to use a nice word, it shouldn't be an encumbrance, but it is, then pretty much you can just go on down the road. It's just like, it's not going to be good. So then what would be, did you do any work in a state hospital as part of your training or anything like that? Um, I did my internship in an inpatient um, psychiatric facility. Most of my work has mostly been on the outpatient level, and I've also done work on house calls where I go to people's homes. And that would be fun. And then just do this right in the house. And going into people's homes, it's a very different experience. Oh, yeah. Because when you're working in a clinic or an office setting, they're giving you their story. But when you actually go in the home, you actually get to see everything (laughs) unfold. (laughs) Well, tell us before we wind up here, what would you say your group, do you have a specific structure, a way that you, do you have programs, do you have plans, do you have specific education modules? How do you actually get that word out? How do you get your people who are LPCs like yourself, who don't have the experience that you have, how do you get them on track with what they need to do? So through my organization, McPherson Clinical and Consulting Services, where I provide consultations and clinical supervision, all of my supervisees that come in, part of their training is how to interact with physicians. Even if you're not working in this model, at some point in your career, you're going to come across a physician or a nurse practitioner, whoever it may be. It's really training them how to work alongside with them and also training them on different disorders that might come up in treatment that they would never think of. such as diabetic depression. A lot of people don't think of that when they come across treatment. What do people go through when they suffer with autoimmune disorders? People with hypertension. Again, when we talk about the IBS and how it impacts anxiety and sometimes impacts depression, how to look for those different things so that you're trained both on the medical side and how you're trained to treat it from a mental health perspective as well, too. That is terrific work. No matter how you slice it, you have your hands full. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, you know what you can do? You can start with the African-American thing, but the Caucasians need it too, girl. Everyone's coming in. (laughs) Take everyone. Get started. At the end of the day, we all need the help. Everyone is deserving of help. And this issue of mental health disparity in our country, it's not going to go away unless we treat it as a whole and really target everyone. Well, you are so, so completely right. It's the the theme we've had at Core Brain Journal since we got started. And my feeling is if the public knows what's going to happen, they're going to change the medical community. So a person like you coming in and sharing your insights with the public, they're going to actually feel they can connect with you. They can connect with your website, which I'm going to ask you about in just a moment. We're going to have links to whatever you're doing, and we'll have that up on the show notes. But I think the thing about it is, they are then going to feel more inclined to talk to their doctors about, hey, here's what needs to happen, because this is a service to the community. You and I are participating in a service to the community that that goes down all kinds of different Possum Hollow to North Philadelphia, and people can listen to this. It's it's all complimentary, which is a good thing. So how can people actually access your work? What would be the URL that you want to send people to? 
So for Black Therapist Rock, you can find us at blacktherapistswithanSrock.com. There you can find more information on the organization, the work we do, our memberships, the trainings that we offer. Also, we have a conference coming up in August and our book is coming out later on this year. And for people that want to connect with me or ask me any questions, I do most of my connections on Instagram. So you can find me at Jen McPherson LPC on Instagram. And I'm very open to comments, questions, messages, and really just engaging with folks that way as well. Jen, you're way ahead of me on the, on the Instagram thing. <laughs> I've got somebody I'm working with to help me get over there because I, you know, we need to get our stuff out there on Instagram. It's, it's amazing how many people are paying attention to it. As soon as you get on, find me. We'll connect. We'll do some work together. I'll do it. I'll definitely do it. So listen, thank you so much again for coming on. It's really been great. And if you have something else you think, hey, this is important. This is beyond Philadelphia. And a lot of what we're talking about is beyond Philadelphia. But you have something you want to bring up. You know, just feel free. Let's get in touch and have another uh, run by on anything you're interested in. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. You have a great day, girl. You too. Thanks for listening to Corbrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.